and welcome to Jericho Ditching the Dirt. We are your hosts Fiona, Lynn and Shona and we are MA Museum and Artifact Studies students from Durham University. This podcast series has been created by us students as part of our online exhibition titled Jericho, an Ancient City Revealed in partnership with Durham's Oriental Museum. If you've not visited our exhibition yet, but you're interested in learning more about ancient Jericho and its excavations, do check it out through the link in our podcast bio. The views and opinions provided within this podcast series in no way seek to represent Durham University or the Oriental Museum. We have produced this content for the sole benefit of our exhibition and its wider audiences. Today's podcast is on women in archaeology, which was highly voted for and anticipated by audiences, so we hope you enjoy it. Our online exhibition, if you have not visited it already, is focused on objects from ancient Jericho that were excavated by pioneering female archaeologist Kathleen Kenyon and held at the Oriental Museum. In this podcast, we'll be expanding on the theme of female archaeologists by taking a look at Gertrude Caton Thompson and Tessa Weider, two pioneering female archaeologists in their own right who had a connection to and influence on Kathleen Kenyon and her work. If you'd like to know more about Kenyon herself, do have a listen to our previous podcast episodes or visit our online exhibition. In this episode, we'll also be touching on the themes of feminist archaeology and misogyny within the field. So let's get digging. We would like to let you know that this episode was recorded remotely by an online platform and thus would like to apologize for any discrepancies in audio quality. We thought we would start with a brief overview of societal views of women and archaeology in the late 19th and early 20th centuries in order to provide a basis to better understand the true enormity and significance of contributions made by female archaeologists like Gertrude Caton Thompson, Tessa Wheeler and Kathleen Kenyon. The practice of archaeology and its physical demanding aspect of field work meant that it was regarded as a distinctly masculine profession and thus was male-dominated. The concept of conducting field work and having that level of control over an excavation site and the workers involved produced this privileged preconception of archaeology that viewed men as being the only ones capable of doing so. Female archaeologists were often neglected, faced institutional sexism, were undervalued, and had their work constantly attributed to male colleagues. Female archaeologists also received less funding for their excavations than their male counterparts. With that, let's take a look at two of these pioneering female archaeologists who challenged these preconceptions of the role of women within society and the field of archaeology. This true list of women is much more extensive. However, we've chosen to highlight the lives of two women due to their influence on Kathleen Kenyon and her work, as her excavations at Jericho form the focal point of our online exhibition, for which this podcast was created. We first take a look at Gertrude Caden Thompson, a highly accomplished English archaeologist at a time when few women participated in archaeology. She is described as one of the first women archaeologists with an interest in African prehistory that led her to conduct groundbreaking research within Egypt and North Africa. Her excavations were well known for being meticulous as she organized sites into 10 times 30 foot intervals, excavating in six inch levels and recording the exact position of each find. Her techniques and publications were often described as being ahead of her time as she is considered to be the first archeologist to use air surveys to locate sites among other techniques. Caton Thompson was born in London in 1888 and had a privileged upbringing she attended many private schools, such as an all-girls boarding school that took its students traveling across Europe for months at a time. In 1905, she moved to France to conclude her schooling, and in 1907, accompanied her mother on a trip to Athens, Crete, and the Holy Land, Alexandria, and Cairo. 
1910 and 1911, Kata Thompson and her mother would travel once again in lieu of her mother's recovery from ill health and divorce to many sites in France, then to Alexandria, Cairo, Luxor and Aswan. Upon their return to London, Caden Thompson became involved with women's suffrage, becoming joint secretary for the London branch, and later learned how to drive and joined the Women's Emergency Corps in 1914. Through diary entries, it was revealed that Caden Thompson was not interested in archaeology until her visit to Egypt in 1911, as it sparked an interest in prehistory, driving her to attend a course on Mycenaeans, Minoans, and early Greeks at the British Museum, conduct reading on the Paleolithic prehistory, and to pursue her first experience in the field on trip to France in 1915. In 1917, she worked for the British Ministry of Shipping, starting with an administrative job and eventually becoming the personal assistant to Arthur Salter, a civil servant. This role provided her with the opportunity to attend the Paris Peace Conference in 1919 as part of the British delegation. She then went on to embark on her studies at University College London in 1921 at the age of 33, being taught by renowned archaeologists such as Margaret Murray, Flinders Petrie and Dorothea Bate. Kata Thompson also undertook Arabic lessons at the School of Oriental Studies, as well as private lessons in surveying. She excavated in Upper Egypt during the winter of 1921, joining Petri and Abydos, where she discovered Paleolithic flint implements, after being previously assured that there was no Paleolithic in Egypt. An exhibition of her numerous finds drew attention to her work and provided valuable opportunities to further her archaeological career as she was invited to join an expedition to Malta. There she realized that she lacked certain training and thus decided not to return to Egypt in 1922, instead undertaking classes at Newham College, Cambridge. She later continued to focus her work within Egypt throughout the 1920s, working for the British School of Archaeology, Egypt, and the Royal Anthropological Institute, becoming well known for her interdisciplinary project of survey and excavation in Fayoum. In 1924, Caton Thompson was invited to join Petrie's excavations of Egypt once again, leading to her discovery of the Hamaniya settlement and the east bank of the Nile, a discovery that was described as rivaling the importance of Carter's discovery of Tutankhamun's tomb. The following year, Caton Thompson worked alongside her friend, geologist Eleanor White Gardner, to conduct her first independent excavation as well as the first archaeological and geological survey of the northern Fayum, which resulted in their discovery of two previously unknown Neolithic cultures, Caton Thompson was particularly interested in prehistoric Egypt, the Paleolithic and pre-dynastic civilizations, with many of her finds eventually being housed at the British Museum, the Petrie Museum of Egyptian Archaeology at the University College London, and the Institute of Archaeology through the Wellcome Collection. In 1928, Caton Thompson was invited by the British Academy to investigate the origins of the ruins of Great Zimbabwe, as previous excavations had disagreed on whether the ruins were works of Africans or other civilizations, such as Arabic travellers or a Red Sea culture. She assembled and led an all-female excavation of the site until 1929, the first of its kind and joined by Kathleen Kenyon, who was freshly graduated from Oxford and assisted the excavation in all aspects. This field experience cemented Kenyon's passion for archaeology, helping her pursue her future as a pioneering archaeologist in her own right. Caton Thompson's excavation at Zimbabwe concluded that the site was a product of a native civilization, most likely of local Bantu culture and dating to the 13th or 15th century CE, a conclusion that was not warmly received by the archaeological community Attracting significant negative press, Caden Thompson had no issue with accepting critique while her theories were reviewed. 
and happily partook in the heated debates that followed. Since then, modern excavations of the site now agree with Caden Thompson and her team, attributing the site to that of a Shona-speaking African civilization. Caden Thompson then returned to work alongside Gardner many times at the prehistoric sites at Kagra Oasis between 1930 and 1933, and at the Hadramaub in Yemen in 1937. The Kagra Oasis excavation focused on Paleolithic artifacts, with Gardner in charge of surveying, while the Hadramaub excavation was joined by Freya Stark and was the first systematic excavation of the site, uncovering a temple to the moon god, shrines, and the remains of an irrigation system. Caton Thompson's contribution to the field of archaeology were professionally recognised as she became the first woman to be honoured for field work through her election to the Council of the Royal Geographical Society in 1934. After the Second World War, however, Caton Thompson retired from field work and instead became involved within the academic side of archaeology, attending conferences and helping to set up institutions. She held many official positions, becoming the first female president of the Prehistoric Society from 1940 to 1946, the second female elected fellow of the British Academy, and the vice president of the Royal Anthropological Institute in 1944. In 1945, she became one of the five members of the governing body of the School of Oriental and African Studies at the University of London, a position she held for 20 years. In addition to this, she became the first woman to receive the Rivers Medal from the Royal Anthropological Institute in 1934, later going on to receive the Huxley Medal in 1946. She was awarded an honorary Doctor of Letters degree from Cambridge University in 1954, the second woman to do so after the Queen, and also received the Burton Medal from the Royal Asiatic Society in the same year. She was a founding member of the British Institute of Archaeology in East Africa, and having served on the Council for over 10 years, she was made an honorary fellow. Despite her work being widely and officially recognised, it is argued that she did not receive the acknowledgements worthy of the groundbreaking work she had done in such a short time. Thus, we hope that through this podcast, we have done justice to Gertrude Caton Thompson and truly highlighted her invaluable contributions towards the field of archaeology. We now take a look at Tessa Verney Wheeler, another pioneering female archaeologist who also significantly contributed to the development of excavation techniques and the setting up of the British archaeological institutions. Despite this, she is still mainly known as the wife of Sir Mortimer Wheeler, as they worked together on major excavations in both Wales and England. Their teamwork and expertise within the field was widely acknowledged, with them becoming known as the Wheelers and attracting numerous aspiring archaeologists from around the world who sought their training. Tessa Wheeler was born in Johannesburg in 1893, later moving to Lewisham, London at a young age when her mother remarried. She undertook her studies in history at University College London from 1911 to 1914, during which time she met her husband, Mortimer Wheeler, in 1912, marrying him in 1914 and giving birth to their son, Michael, in 1915. At this time, Mortimer served in artillery in the First World War, being stationed in the University of London Officers Training Corps and later at other sites across Scotland, England, and eventually France. Tessa accompanied him on most of these postings. After the war in 1920, Mortimer took up a position in the National Museum of Wales, thus moving the family to Cardiff. He eventually became the museum's director from 1924 to 1926, with Tessa being appointed as keeper of archaeology. 
While in Wales, the Wheelers undertook excavations at Sigontium in 1921 and Gaia in 1924, with Tessa being in charge of organising the excavation, controlling finances and recording the finds that Mortimer interpreted. In 1926, the Wheelers were preparing for an excavation at Caerleon when Mortimer was appointed Keeper of the London Museum, resulting in the family moving once again. Despite this, Tessa continued with preparations and conducted the Caerleonic excavation on her own in 1927. In 1928, she became a lecturer in the London Museum, as well as the second woman to be elected as a Fellow of the Society of Antiquaries. The Wheelers continued to excavate within Britain at sites such as the Roman Villa at Lindy Park in 1928 and Roman Verulamium, modern day St Albans, from 1930 to 1934. After Kathleen Kenyon had returned to Britain following her work along Gertrude Caton Thompson in Zimbabwe and having cemented her desire to pursue archaeology, she trained with the Wheelers at Verulamium, Roman Britain's third largest city. Tessa's teachings of scientific archaeological approaches, pioneering excavation techniques, attention to detail, and the recording of small finds resulted in the development of the Wheeler Kenyon method, a revolutionary technique that used the grid system to better understand stratigraphy. The Wheelers went on to establish the Institute of Archaeology in London, founded in 1934 and opening in 1937. Tessa had been instrumental in the institution's conception, having arranged the finances, logistics and accommodations. Throughout her career, Tessa was an advocate for public engagement with and knowledge of archaeology. She gave numerous talks to historical societies and encouraged public visits to sites, being one of the first to film her excavations and present them to the public. The strive for public awareness of archaeology also saw the leaders ensured that their excavations were published promptly under both of their names, utilizing modern terms and exploiting newspapers to disseminate their works in attractive manners. These ventures resulted in her excavations being almost entirely funded by the public donations. Tessa passed away unexpectedly from complications after a minor operation in 1936 two years after the Wheelers began excavations at Maiden Castle, Dorset. Her later life had been plagued by ill health, which was considered to be aggravated by overwork and her husband's unfaithfulness. Despite her archaeological career only spanning around 20 years, Tessa Wheeler conducted numerous excavations, developed innovative archaeological techniques, published extensively, teaching and inspiring an impressive list of students, including Kathleen Kenyon. She is credited with bringing archaeology into the lives of the general public through the encouragement of site tours and the engagement of press. Mortimer continued to recognise and appreciate his wife's archaeological abilities, describing her as the ideal site director in 1954. Despite this, her unexpected passing led to her promising archaeological career being overshadowed by that of her husband. Having taken a look at these examples of amazing women, we can see ships begin to emerge within the field of archaeology. These pioneering female archaeologists proved that the profession was not exclusive to men or those of a traditional educational background, nor was it reserved for the privileged within society. Archaeologists like Gertrude Caden Thompson, Tessa Wheeler, and Kathleen Kenyon proved that the field was accessible to anyone, regardless of economic background or gender. Tessa Wheeler was of a modest upbringing who forged her own independent path within archaeology through her lectures and teachings. She did not try to hide behind the shadow of her husband. Similarly, Gertrude Caton Thompson was headstrong and determined in the face of criticism, sticking to her theories and proving them at a time when women were often ignored and thought incapable. Therefore, these women, amongst many others, paved the way and empowered future generations of women to pursue the career that they wanted, equipping them with tools to fight against societal norms. 
We now move into the realm of modern archaeology, which has seen the birth of a much more inclusive atmosphere for women, striving to foster their appreciation for the field rather than belittle it. However, as with all professions, there is still a way to go. The sexist treatment of female archaeologists made a resurgence in the 1970s, with women in the field still often regarded as doing men's work. The 1970s and 80s also saw those predetermined roles set out by society that resulted in archaeology being a male-dominated profession being challenged by female archaeologists, and thus giving rise to feminist archaeology. This movement aims to recover the roles of women in the past, their contexts, instilling value and making them visible. The field of archaeology was dominated by white, middle-class males. Therefore, this Eurocentric bank of personal experiences to draw from, as well as the male-centered view that was inevitable, resulted in modern societal norms of gender roles being imposed on the lives of the past. The roles of males and females were reconstructed based on the stereotypes of the present, with females being home-orientated while males were the public figures and the intellectuals, a stereotype which was further prevalent within the field of archaeology itself. This archaeological bias can be seen through the interpretation of grave goods. For example, the discovery of a pestle within a female grave suggested evidence of food production, while a pestle discovered in a male grave suggested the production of pestles or its use as a hammerstone. These assumptions of gender roles based on modern ideology have skewed archeological interpretations, resulting in a male bias and have been argued to be used to legitimize the norms and values of the present. Archeologists should aim to decipher the present while unearthing the past and ensure the two are distinguished whenever possible. Those who practice feminist archeology span are argued to be conducting better archeology span as they expand on the range of possibilities of what happened in the past. They aren't restricted by an androcentric view. Despite this, there are still people opposed to this process, and as much as it is a beneficial endeavor, with women now being recognized in the past, their roles are still unproblematic. This suggests that there is still room for improvement, but the future of feminist archaeology, combined with a continued move towards female inclusion within the field, definitely makes for a bright future. Thank you for listening to this episode of Jericho Ditching the Dirt. We hope you have enjoyed our exploration of women in archaeology in which we talked about pioneering female archaeologists like Gertrude Caton Thompson and Tessa Wheeler, as well as themes such as feminist archaeology. If you are keen to learn more about women in archaeology, Asian Jericho, archaeologist Kathleen Kenyon, or archaeology in general, then please do visit our online exhibition Jericho and Asian City Revealed, and have a listen to our other podcast episodes. If you're interested, you can take a look at the transcript of our podcast, where you can find a list of our reference material and some additional reading. We also welcome you to follow Durham's Oriental Museum on social media, as we have put a few posts up relating to our exhibition. We also recommend taking a look at their website and other online exhibitions, and to visit the museum when you next have the opportunity. Thank you once again, and we hope to speak to you soon.